in 86. And M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club. Hello and welcome. Wait, start over. Uh, I was breathing. Wow. I was breathing. Wow. I just going in hot. Ready? Yeah. Hello and welcome to the Babysitter's Club Club. A podcast about the Babysitter's Club. That's my name a is Jack. Pause. Oh, well, <laughs> my name is Jack Shepard, and with me is Tanner Greenring, uh, my colleague and uh, partner on this journey. Best friend and best friend and partner on this journey through the fantastic novels of N. M. Martin about a series of babysitters, a series of babies, and the hijinks that ensue. Some context for why we are doing this. Uh, when I was a young man, age eight or nine, I used to hang out at my cousin's house all the time, a young lady of the same age. She wanted to watch television. I wanted to hang out and read books. And so I read all of her library, which included all of the Babysitter's Club books and all of the Sweet Belly High books. Um, and in Tanner's case, these are roughly around his reading level. It's very funny. Okay. Well, do, do you have a reason for doing this, Tanner? Um, I just want to hang out with my friend, talk about teenage girls' books from 20 years ago. Okay. Like we usually do. Great. Yeah. Well, Tanner, let me start with a question for you. So so this is new for you. I've read all these books, uh, albeit many years ago. Yeah. Um, but, you know, the, once you've read a Babysitter's Club book, I feel like it sticks with you. It informs your life. But for somebody who's completely new to this, uh, mm-hmm. what did you think? What did you think of this first first Babysitter's Club book? I thought it was good, you know? I thought it was very readable. I finished the entire book in about an hour and a half, which is the fastest I've ever read a book. I'm not a fast reader. And I I enjoyed it very much, you know? I thought it was a little um, juvenile. It was clearly written for 13-year-old girls 20 years ago, but I feel like there's a 13-year-old girl 20 years ago living somewhere inside of me, and that that part of me really flourished when I was reading it. I have often thought that as well. About me or about you? About yourself. <laughs> um, let's begin by talking about the plot of this book, which we both just read. Um, so the book begins with Christy has this amazing idea. Yeah. She's walking home from school. You know what she says to herself? I'm going to start a babysitter's club. That club is going to consist of Marianne Spear, my best friend, and Claudia Kishi, a close friend who is starting to grow apart from her. Uh, Claudia is starting to wear makeup. Uh, she's acting as if boys have just been invented. No. Yes. Um, How old are these girls? Twelve. Ugh. Yeah. But, you know, they're still friends, and so they want to start a babysitter's club. That's the beginning of the book, and that's kind of the impetus for a lot of the adventures that they have and the lessons that they learn. But a wrench is thrown in the works by the arrival of a young lady named Stacy. Stacy McGill. Stacy McGill, who uh, where's she from? Great, this is a good, this is good, like interview technique. <laughs> um, you should, you interrupt the person <laughs> sort of as they're talking. Yeah, yeah. Okay, good. it makes it sound like I am kind of leading the conversation, but what I'm really doing is just predicting where you're headed. Yeah, it's good. Heading you good. off with the past. It makes you sound smart. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So Stacy McGill interrupts uh, interrupts <laughs> this this sort of this threesome of babysitters. Stop. I'm just gonna. <laughs> <laughs> Ah, <laughs> oh, dear. Um, 
But so Stacy is in from New York. She's the new girl in town. She's mysterious. She's hiding something. Again, something we're going to get to later. Stacy has a secret, and it's kind of clear immediately that there's something shady going on with Stacy. There's something weird going on. She's hiding things. She's not telling the whole truth. But nonetheless, these three best friends accept her into the Babysitter's Club, which for the uninitiated is a kind of a collective of young women who uh, sit babies uh, for cash. So I have a question mm-hmm. right there off the bat. Yeah. Is this legal? These are 12 to 13-year-old girls. They're running their own business in Stony Brook, Long Island. Did they, did they apply for a small business loan? Are they, like, what's, did they fill out any paperwork? Do they have a co-signer? Does Anne M. Martin go into any of the particulars of small business management, anything like that? Yeah, I don't know. I don't know if you have to. I, th- I, I never thought, I mean, I, like, my thought was completely different reading this. I was just like, this is a fantastic money-making opportunity. It's a potentially dynamic growth business. It's, uh, but, and this is, can I, can I maybe tip my hand a little bit here? I think that this isn't, a, like, it's easy to get hung up on the money-making aspect of what, the, and you know, how they're sharing money and sort of where the funds are going and sort of how the business is organized. Yeah. Um, but what I think is going on here, and this kind of speaks to Christie's character a little bit, is this isn't about the, the money. It's a ploy to keep their friendship. It's I don't think so. Like, through the course of this book, their friendship, like, the four, these four girls, their friendship literally falls apart. Right. This wasn't about friendship. This was about money, I think, at the end of the day. Well, I mean, and I also, it's about Marxism in, in certain ways. Okay. This is not, this isn't anti, there's a strong anti capitalist message in The Babysitter's Club, number one, Christie's Great Idea. Okay, that's a really strong statement. Would you care to elaborate? <sighs> Let's see, how do I explain this to someone? So, in a capitalist society, everyone is out for their own, everyone is making their own money, everyone is looking for their own advantages. These four girls had that. They were all individual babysitters, working separately, making their own money, collecting their own clients. It's the American way. What they've decided to do was come together in a cooperative, a, a workers' union, and pool resources, pool income, divide it equally among them. Sounds a lot like Marxism to me. I think what you are describing here is a small business. N- well, well, in a typical small business, I think... There's still hierarchy, you know. People are making more money than others. There's a CEO who's making the most money. These, this is an even split between four women who have essentially the same responsibilities. It's communism. Well, I'm going to weigh the deciding vote here, and I'm going to say it's a small business with a flat management structure. Um, and actually, that is a good segue into I, I think something which is a way to maybe introduce some of the characters, which is the roles that the girls all kind of happily immediately take on. Yeah, Christy is a president. Typical. Uh, because it's her idea, and that's how that works. Claudia is the vice president. She's smart. She's got her shit together. She can be a great number two if Christy's indisposed. Claudia can come in and, and get things done, and the operation will continue to run smoothly. Marianne Spear, obvious good candidate for secretary. Right? That's right. Yep, you got she's, it. She's got a, a librarian's mind. She's smart. She knows how to write things down. She reads a lot of books. This is a secretary's job, and she's the perfect person for it. This is the thing that stands out to me. Stacy immediately jumps in. Stacy, the new girl, the sketchy girl from New York, we don't know what her deal is. She's hiding something. She jumps in, and she says, oh, I want to be treasurer. She doesn't fight for one of the president jobs. She doesn't want to be secretary. She doesn't pick something that like she's interested in doing. She just wants to be treasurer. And I find that to be 
highly suspicious. Why? Well, I'm a, I want to ask you to do something. Can you name the President of the United States? The President of the United States the first is thing that comes to your head. Barack Obama. Correct. Vice President of the United States? Joe Biden. Do you know the Secretary of State? Um, this is a trick question. It's John Kerry. It's not. I was going to say John Kerry. Good. Good. Who's the treasurer? Um, Greenspan. Nope. Um, Bernie Sanders. Nope. I don't know. It's Rosa Gomatautau Rios. Uh huh. You don't know who that is? No. It's somebody who wants to be close to the money. Somebody okay. who's behind the government. You're you're talking like shadow government. <laughs> well, my point is that it's really weird to me that Stacey jumps in, picks this kind of weird role, but it's the role where it's like it's handling the money. Do you think it has anything to do with her secret? No, because I know what her secret is. <laughs> do you? Because book three is called The Truth About Stacy. So I assume that her secret is not revealed until book three. Well, you've read the book. Yeah. I don't think I feel like we shouldn't reveal what the truth about what the truth about we'll Stacey is. We'll get there. We'll get there. We're still the working through the plot. It's the bi- it's the big reveal at the end of the book. I maybe I'll let you take over. So they decide to have a babysitter's club. What happens next? Well, they set up a meeting where they sit in front of the phone for two and a half hours and take calls. It's a mess. But eventually they get their shit together. They start setting up some appointments. Christy takes a job babysitting two two uh, two charges named Buffy and Pinky. Pinky. Buffy and Pinky. So Christy gets a call and agrees to babysit Buffy and Pinky. Right. And she's like, great, weird names. They're both three years old. They must be twins. Fine. Shows up at Buffy and Pinky's mom's house. Guess what? Guess what? Guess what? St. Bernard's? St. Bernard's. Two dogs. Two St. Bernard dogs. And, of course, it does not go well. <laughs> I'm, I'm a 31-year-old man. Yep. Um, the second the woman called and said, I need you to take care of Buffy and Pinky, I thought, oh, those are dogs. Those are definitely dogs. I was just like, this was the 80s. <laughs> People were named Buffy and There's Pinky. Everybody, yeah, it was pretty common. Um, I think this was Anna Martin wasn't trying – she wasn't trying to tip her hand there. She she was like, these are no, – I'm going to pick two very, very sort of standard sort uh-huh. of, um, you know, pos- genderless names. <laughs> um. But my question is this. It seems like that is a clear new revenue stream for the babysitters. Oh, you mean animal sitting? Yeah, pet sitting. You know, it's slightly separate from the core business, but it's it requires the same skill sets. You don't need to staff up. You don't need to hire an animal specialist. Right. You can have the babysitters can sort of immediately branch out, and you'll have more business opportunities, more opportunities to work with clients. It's, like, it's not even the first, the last time in this book that they take care of an animal. Right. Right. Um, but as you know from the plot, after the Buffy Pinky mishap, they vow never to sit an animal ever again. This right. was a huge mistake. Where babysitters, the lady calls back. She was like, "I really liked your service. We'd love to have you guys come back sometime. We'd love to be a repeat client." Fuck no, no, no. I mean, that's essentially what Chrissy says. Yes, not literally. But no, yes. she did, like yeah, editorialized. Something like, "I'm very, I'm extremely fucking sorry, <laughs> but we are, we are babysitters, not pet, pet sitters." sitters. For fuck's sake! <laughs> and but anyway, I don't know. I don't, I don't know if you had some thoughts on that. That was my thought. I mean, they would have to. There's, it's a good revenue stream, but yeah. there's a lot of expenses too. Because if you think about this, this business is pure overhead. Because they were doing fine beforehand. They were all collecting income independently with no overhead. But now they have meetings. Now they have advertising. Now they have all this other stuff. So we have, we already have expenses there. We're gonna have to redo all the ads. We're gonna have to redo all the flyers to say we pets it too. They're going to have to go to pet CPR classes. We haven't even gotten into whether they know human CPR yet. I don't think they do. This is already an issue. 
there's a lot of I think in the future if we ever have like a small business expert come in he can help us he or she <laughs> boy do I hope that we do <laughs> I assume we will I would really liven this up <laughs> um I think he can help us work through some of this stuff but <laughs> sorry <laughs> No, I, I, I agree they're leaving money on the table, but these are 12-year-old girls. They don't have the expertise that us, us two titans of industry have. <laughs> All right, fine. And, you know, I think you could also make an argument that they're focusing on their, their core business. Yeah. And, and this is a good move. Yeah. Um, all right, moving on. Okay. So the, the rest of the babysitters have further adventures in babysitting. Marianne goes to babysit the children of Watson. Watson. And I, I feel like this is a good time to pause and talk a little bit about, about Watson. This is actually a very, very important point of the plot and an important character. And honestly, in some ways, a sign that this novel is about more than just making money. Yeah. Um, this is a novel about family relationships and family dynamics and growing up. And Watson is kind of the, the real catalyst for this. Yeah. And so would you like to introduce, as a, a, child of, a child of divorce, Sure. would you like to introduce Watson? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So Watson is dating Christie's mother. Christie's, it's not clear what happened to Christie's father. He ran out. He ran out on them. But Watson is, is a, a man who is dating Christie's mother. He is not Christie's father. He never will be. He will never be Christie's father. Okay, and he should just stop trying. Okay. Okay? Like, don't – they have a good thing. Don't ruin what they have. You know, like, he will never be Christie's father. Also, Christie lists exactly one reason why she doesn't like Watson in the book, and it's because he's getting bald. Yeah, I noticed That's that. That's the <laughs> only reason she gives for not liking Watson, other than the fact that he's ruining their family. I, I find this to be an oddly strong reaction to a thing that doesn't seem to be actually the case. I mean, he seems like a good guy. He often comes over. He brings Chinese food. Let me lay out what happens with Watson. We are first introduced to Watson. He shows up. Sure, he's balding, but he brings over a bunch of Chinese food for the family, and he he's interested in how their day went. He wants to know what's going on with Christy and what's going on with her brothers. Yeah, uh, The brothers seem to really like him, Yeah, uh, and he's getting along great with their mom, who seems a lot happier, you know, now that she's got somebody in her life. Well, it's fine. It's like, yeah, whatever. They, things were pretty good before Watson ever came along, but it's fine. I, I, a point of order is that that is fundamentally not established at all in the book. Well, Christy says it, and Christy's the lead protagonist, and we're reading the whole book through her perspective. And she says over and over again, things are pretty great without Watson. Watson's kind of ruining things. I mean, a thing that Also, she, getting bald. Okay, I'm aware of that, and I'm not sure how it's telling But a, a thing that she literally says is that her dad has run away to California. They don't need him. They don't need him. He's they run away to California him, and is not paying child support. Yeah, they don't need him. Okay. They don't need a man. They're fine. Okay. 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 All right, well, we'll move on then. Um, man, Christy really burns Watson at some point. She's, yeah. She's being, during, your, during the scene you're describing with the Chinese food, she refuses to eat the Chinese food. She instead petulantly makes herself a peanut butter and jelly sandwich and, like, sits and, like, eats it in front of all of them. She loves Chinese food, by the way. Uh, yeah. And then at the end of the night, she's being real... Bitch. Yeah. Uh, and Christy's mom says, Christy, I need you to apologize to Watson for being such a bitch to him. And she says, I'm sorry, Watson, and then gets up and storms away. And she's halfway up the stairs and she turns around and says, Sorry, you're such a terrible father. Ugh. Boom. Huh? Drop mic. Yeah. Drop mic. <laughs> mic drop. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Um, she just, she kills it. Yeah. No, that's good stuff. Yeah. 
and the house just burned down. Um, yeah, and I think this kind of does speak to some of the, the real problems with Christy that hopefully we'll be able to get to at some point. Um, she's she's um, she's insubordinate. Um, <laughs> to whom? <laughs> anyway, yeah. So moving on, uh, Marianne babysits uh, the the kids of Watson, and this brings up a, a new element of the plot that I think is possibly the most interesting part of the plot overall. A turn that you don't expect. This is this is a novel. It's a true life novel. Um, but you don't expect it to have fantastical elements or elements of the supernatural okay. at all. Yeah. Um, but what happens when Marianne is babysitting these children is something that chilled me to the very bone. Um, I think where you're headed is Boo Boo the Obese Cat. Yes. So <laughs> Boo Boo the Obese Cat. Is, supernaturally obese. Uh, he's 17 pounds. And, and the way that he's supernaturally obese is that there is a woman next door who goes by the name of Morbida. Nope. That's not her name. Her that's, name she goes the by the name, name of She goes by the name of Mrs. Porter, but they refer to her as Morbida Destiny. And I'm going to describe Morbida Destiny from the point of view of one of the children the babies who is being sat. Okay. He says the following of her. She eats toads, casts spells, flies to witch meetings on a broomstick. Every midnight, which seems like I feel like too many like to, to have a standing meeting. Yeah, where does where are the witch meetings? It's it's unspecified. But they're far they're enough like, that she has to fly to. Commute it's to broomstick them. distance. Why wouldn't she just live in the town where the witch meetings are? I mean, I think she does. I did, like if she, maybe it's like the house over and she flies across. You're saying Stony Brook? You heard it here first, people. Stony Brook, Long Island is the occult center of the United States of America. Well, I don't I mean, I don't know. I mean, I know that Morbida Destiny lives there and, and she has and but uh she also she refers to Marianne as girly. <laughs> Look here girly, she says at one point. Yeah. And she's worried about her chrysanthemums and she calls them her mums. Her mums. Yeah. But so here's what happened. Uh, she particularly worries about this cat, Boo Boo, who gets into her yard and eats the mums. Gets into her mums, yeah. Takes and, them up. Uh, and she, at, at some point, and this is corroborated, I feel like, by the father, uh, by Watson. Yeah. She um, she curses the cat. She calls him a rapscallion. Is and, that a curse? Yeah. And it's a, it's a witch's curse. And I bet that has – I'm going to look up – no. I'm going to look up the etymology of Rapscallion real quick because I bet this, I, this just feels like I feel okay. like on a podcast, <laughs> I should be you know, like when up. you're like, yeah, I'm going to wiki this. And then we like we <laughs> sit for like 10 minutes and you're like, oh, wait, oh, no. Oh, but I did find it. What if it's like Rapscallion comes from a Haitian witchcraft tradition and it means I curse you with death. Right. Yeah. yeah that's a no, the, the, the known etymology. Because you wouldn't let me look it up. So now I just make shit up. OK. OK. Well, I think you got it right. Well, because, I mean, after she said this, uh, the cat started to gain weight, right? This is in the book. No, no, no. The cat's already fat. No, this is a previous thing. They had told her the story that the, the, the morbid of destiny had called this cat some name. Okay. And it was, it was at that moment the cat began to gain weight. Oof. Yeah. So, this, so you're saying that – you're not saying in the real world witchcraft is true, but you're saying in the universe of the Babysitter's Club, in the Anne M. Martiniverse – Witchcraft is real? Yeah, I think that's the case. I okay. think that's c- kind of provably the case. I haven't read these books. Does that come into play more later? I don't think I think that's spoilers for the next for the next. Okay. I mean in, in the in the in the known universe of Christie's great idea right now, it's a question mark. I'm going to be 
so disappointed when we make it to episode 50 <laughs> and no <laughs> other witchcraft has ever come up again. Well, I'm going to feel so duped. Um, you know, that, that's 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 for future episodes. I'm just going to start writing my own Babysitter's Club fan fiction. Great. Where it's all, it's like part Harry Potter, part weird. I mean, I'm, I'm going to give you a little teaser right now. The next book is called Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls. Ooh, spooky. Yeah. <laughs> So things get pretty spooky, and and I think as 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 fans of this series will know, there's also a spinoff series called the Babysitters Club Mysteries. Do they uh, become the private eyes? Some unsolved. So I you, we're we're winding our way near to the end of the plot here. Sort of. There's okay. a lot of there's a lot of plot in this book. It's okay. all plot. Um, so yeah, they they decide to throw this big pizza party. Um, Christy somehow gets tricked via a great conspiracy into babysitting Watson's kids for the first time. She's resisted this. She doesn't want to get any closer to Watson because Watson's not her dad, and he never will be. Right. So uh, she goes and babysits his kids. Turns out, great kids, just real. Salt of the Earth kids. <laughs> okay, that's op- that's often how children are described. I think actually in this book there's a scene where where Anne and Martin is like, yeah, these Salt of the Earth children working nine just five. as a way of establishing, <laughs> yeah, hardworking. They come home from the coal mines. <laughs> Good conservative, real Americans. But it turns out that Christie loves these kids. They're really great. They're both very excited to have Christy as a stepsister someday. Right. Spoiler alert. Okay. And they're just really excited about it. Christy avoids the, the trap that Marianne fell into with Boo Boo. Right. She's just Boo Boo like, goes for the back door and Christy's cat outside with a yeah. witch next door. No way. <laughs> no way. The kids are like, oh, the cat wants to go out. Christy is like, Ab- on no circumstances are we going to allow this cat out. Christy's like, hey, you guys know there's a fucking witch out there, right? Right. And the little girl's like, oh, yeah, no. And this is, I mean, this is one of the, a lot of people have problems with Christy, and I am first among them. I have issues with her. She's a control freak. She's bossy. But that is good babysitting. Yeah. That is good babysitting. And nobody, Let's nobody keep these can, kids away from witches. Nobody can take away from her that she is a good fucking babysitter. Yeah. Except the very first scene of her babysitting, she literally lets a young boy fall off of a swing (laughs) (laughs) and hurt himself because she's too busy planning her babysitter's club. But, well, ignoring that. Yeah. Barring that one. She becomes, it's a a growth opportunity. Yeah. So, yeah, there's a couple little other sort of minor mishaps. I mean, I think we have a lot more to talk about, honestly, but I think we're near the end of the book. Well, she packed, she really packed a lot into 147 pages. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah, there's so much. I mean, this is an intro book. I mean, I think the next books are going to start getting a little bit more specific. But yeah. this this book really you got you got to introduce these four main characters. You got to introduce these major, major, major sub players. People like Watson. People like Boo Boo the cat. We didn't even get like, into Claudia's sister. We didn't even. Oh, well, I'm going to talk. I'm going to talk about Janine. I want to talk about Janine because you're because you're a real Janine. Okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> All right. I identify with Janine a lot, she, uh, but. Do you want to talk about Janine? Sure, let's talk about okay, Janine. Okay, great. Here's the thing that Janine talks about that she addresses early on. Yeah. So Janine is Claudia's sister, yeah. and she's smarter than Claudia. She's a fucking nerd. She's smarter than Claudia. A fucking nerd. Uh, wh- All right. She's a nerd. Okay. But, okay, okay, fine. Yeah, Anna Martin at one point says in the book, her only friend is a computer. Wow, nerd. Yeah, so she has a super high IQ. She's super smart. She cares more about things of the mind than things of the world. Okay. Right? <laughs> And it sounds like a. It sound, what you're describing is a sociopath. Yeah. Okay. 
<laughs> All right. And she's smarter than Claudia ever will be. She's smarter and more accomplished than Claudia ever will be. Okay. Um, Claudia is way prettier. Claudia is okay. That's okay. That's it's actually weird to talk. About. Actually, I figured it out. The babysitters now, right now in 2015, yeah. are uh, 41 years old. <laughs> those those girls are are, are ten, older than ten us. years older than you. Yeah. Um. So, say 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 what you like. All right. Okay. Um. Janine, I'm not going to say anything because. But so Janine raises Janine raises a, th- a question that I think is on everybody's mind, and and it's the question that everybody who has e- even seen these books in a bookstore, not, let alone people who grew up with them, people who read them, people who love them, raises the one question that is on everybody's mind about the Babysitters Club. Yeah. Do you know? Um, the apostrophe question. Oh, sure, sure, sure. So she comes in. They have the idea for is this. The, possess, is this pub, is this club belong to the babysitters? Is it a collective of babysitters? Right. Or is it a bunch of babysitters who have a club? Right. Is it a babysitters? There's three possibilities. Club or babysitters plural with no apostrophe club. Right. And I, this is. I think honestly, this is sort of. And I mean, do we have time to talk about the themes of prohibition and language in this book? I don't. I mean, we're running a little long right now, but if. You want to get? I mean, into I think that, should I, we save it for like? There's a whole because there's a whole thing at the beginning. Yeah, the the book begins with Christy having to look up decorum. Yeah, which is I, the irony of that is ridiculous. <laughs> her te- her teacher asks her to look up the word decorum, mm-hmm. and the decorum she looks it up. She learns that it means conforming to social rules. Yeah. and so this is this is this book in some ways to me is is about the prohibition of language that language <laughs> sort of. You know, sort of, as you enter into the symbolic order, you think all of that's right in there in those 147 pages. You it's, think I it's mean, a, it's through it's a deep the, discourse the of the yeah. no. This is the whole. Th- this is the whole thing about this book. Okay. I wasn't going to bring this up, but this is the whole thing about this book. It's about father figures, and th- 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 I mean, okay. Can I talk about this? I yeah, I wish you would. Okay, so this book is about father figures. It's about absent fathers. It's okay. about present fathers. It's about prohibitive fathers. It's about fathers who are overbearing. This is a, the, the, a main theme of this book. Another main theme of this book is language. It's obsessed with language. There's the the um, Christie is constantly looking things up in the dictionary. Janine, this sort of Deus ex machina, keeps coming in out of nowhere and talking about uh, questions of language and bringing up questions of language. And they keep shooing her one away. One time, one time to their that. detriment. Yeah, one time she does. <laughs> But it's a central. It's central to what yeah, the no, book it's a short is about. Book. It's a short book. It's only 147 pages. So one time is significant, right? And so, as you know, yeah. the role of the father, the nom de père, the the you know the, this issue. The, Careful. In, okay, <laughs> I went too far, didn't I? No, no. Go ahead. The the name of the fa- the father is associated with imposing language on a kid at the stage where sort of language starts imposing rules of the world on you. Yeah, right. I think there's and and so the the there is this issue that of uh, anyway okay I'm not, I'm gonna stop talking about it no no, what no I, I wanted to talk I, I think got, you're scratching the surface on something there's a lot of like patriarchy in this book there's a lot of toxic masculinity controlling these girls' lives thank you yeah I think it starts with language but like right. there's even one point there's a line that you love which is uh, Claudia what is your, what is your line that you love about Claudia wearing a bra. <laughs> Really weird to say, but no, it is true that Claudia is wearing a bra now, and the way she talks, you'd think boys had just been invented. And right. I like that line. It's tearing these girls but apart. Boy, yeah. masculinity, yeah, the patriarchy is tearing these girls apart. No question, no question. And and these sort of constraints of 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 a language that was not made for them. Wow. Right. Yeah. Well, and one of the pranks that the boys play 
Now that Claudia the book begins. The book begins with a male authority figure yeah. telling Christy to look something up in the dictionary right. because she dared to shout hooray when class was over. Right. The, Mr. I mean, Mr. Spear, Marianne's dad, won't let her babysit past nine p.m. Right. Uh, Claudia's dad. Mr. Kishi won't let her do much of anything. He's very conservative. And what about Christie's dad? Where is Christie's dad? He left. He left. Now she's he just got Watson, who's not her dad. Right. Never will be. Yeah. Well, okay. <laughs> uh, that's that's debatable, given that the book ends with uh, Watson uh, proposing to Christie's No! <laughs> and uh, Christie's mom accepting. No. But can I get back to the apostrophe question? Yeah. Is it, I, that's the big finale of the book, and that is super important. Christie's mom, Watson's dad, proposal. Nope. <laughs> accepted. That would be her. <laughs> Christie's mom, Watson. Watson. <laughs> proposal accepted. Yeah. Um, and you know what? By the time the book book ends, Christie's come around. She's into Watson. She she's gives. In Watson. He makes her fondue. Oh, she writes him, and this is I. I teared up at this. At this, she writes him a note saying, "You know, I'd be gra- I'd be glad to be your daughter one day." Oof, that's very powerful. Yeah, yeah, uh, it's very moving. Um, we're burning the midnight oil now. Do you want to get finish up your po- apostrophe question, and then let's talk about? I think we finished up the apostrophe question. I just think that it was interesting. Oh, I, where I, do you fall? Where do you fall? Do you think it should be babysitters no apostrophe? Babysitters apostrophe. I mean, I think that language is not prescriptive. It is what it is. It's clearly babysitters without an apostrophe, and therefore it is plural babysitters who have a club. It is not a club belonging to babysitters. I mean, it, it literally is. It can also be that. Um, can we talk about the symbolism in Claudia's paintings? Whoa. I don't even... Does she... She paints? No, yeah. she does. She has art class. Claudia has She two, often can't babysit yeah. because she has art class. She has two posters in her room. She's yeah. an artist. She's a an horse. arty type. A horse on the beach? That is right. It's a horse galloping in the desert. Okay. She has one other poster in her room. Do you care to guess what it is? God, let's see if I can remember. Is it... It's a little troubling. A still life? No. Okay. I don't think I remember. It's a girl... Yeah. Sitting on a window seat. Oh, looking out, looking out gazing the window. outside. Yeah, two paintings in her room, and all she says, kind of cryptically, is uh, Stacy says, "Oh, these are cool posters you have," and Claudia says, "I made them." <laughs> that's uh, that's basically Scary. verbatim. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I, I'm I'm interpreting what I think the, her voice sounded like when she said that. But you had a lot of intensity in there. Your eyes. It I really the, frightened me. Because I I mean I think that I mean one thing here she is that girl sitting on. The, the windowsill gazing outside. Okay, but well, does I think she want, into does it, she, but that's fine. Does she want to be that? No, she wants to be the horse running free in the desert. Um, and so I just think that this is a woman who desires freedom and desires an escape from her super success-focused family, living in the shadow of her sister. She wants to be a horse running in the desert, but instead she is a girl sitting on the windowsill gazing outside. You got a lot out of this book. <laughs> Well, yeah, it's a it's a fantastic it's a fantastic novel, um, and I don't know the themes. I mean, we've we've barely barely scratching the surface. This, I have a question. This whole series of episodes is going to be about this book, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. We're we're going to do a, a um, ten ten episode first season just about book one. Oh, thank God! Listen, let's boil it down. It's yeah. about friendship. It's about family. It's about sitting babies. Yeah. Let me ask you something on camera here. Yeah. Hang on, real quick. There's no cameras. Claudia's wearing a bra now, <laughs> but she's wearing more than that. <laughs> All right. I want to tell you what Claudia is wearing. This is serious. Here's what Claudia is wearing when she's first introduced. She's wearing 
Are you ready? A baggy yellow and black checked shirt, black pants, red jazz shoes, <laughs> and a bracelet that looks like a telephone cord. And that's not all. She's also wearing skeleton earrings. That sounds pretty edgy. It's crazy edgy. It's what year is this? 1986. Okay. But that's not that's that's not what I'm worried about. Here's what she's wearing literally 10 minutes later. <laughs> Short, very baggy lavender plaid overalls, a white lacy blouse, a black fedora. <laughs> Yikes. Uh-huh. And red high top sneakers without socks. Right? Yeah. She sounds like a combination between like a like weird Reddit fedora wearing <laughs> atheist. And you like, only think that because it said fedora and a Spice Girl. <laughs> okay. Yeah. So is, you think is she's that not a, you, troubling? No. So I just think that I think neither Claudia, Reddit nor the Spice Girls come around for another fifteen years. Yeah, she's way ahead of her time. So she's way ahead of her time. She's a visionary. Yeah. And and this is my point. I mean, the the, the posters in her room, everything points to. Her wanting to be free from her family, wanting to be free from Stony Brook, wanting to be free from the constraints of a patriarchal society. Sure. And don't we all? Yes. No. Yes. (laughs) Yes. Yes. Um, Man, I can't wait to get out of Stony Brook. What's the deal with Stony Brook? I'm not sure. It's on Long Island. There's a university there. Yeah, I didn't mean specifically the place. I mean, there's something weird going on in Stony Brook what in do you the mean? context of these novels. What do you mean? And the, the thing that's honestly weirdest to me is I know that this book is called The Babysitter's Club, but there's, like, way too much babysitting activity that is happening. This is real. It, the, it, like, okay, so uh, Christy's mom. Yeah. What's her number one topic of conversation? Um, Apart from Watson. Finding a babysitter. Ba- finding a babysitter. But, like, okay, so for instance, uh, she has three children. One of them is 17. One of them is 14. One of them is 12. Yeah. She can't find a babysitter. No. <laughs> uh, at one point, uh, Stacy comes over to babysit. Yeah. Right? Yeah. Who's there? Sam. Yeah. And his 17-year-old brother. Yeah, but Sam's, that evening, Sam's not obligated to babysit. Right, exactly. Good. I'm glad you remember this 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 plot point. Right. Sam's not obligated to babysit. He can be there as a as a mature older man, <laughs> but not in the capacity of a babysitter. According to Stacy, he is a gorgeous hunk. Right. Yeah. Why can't Sam babysit? Registered sex offender. <laughs> that's not no, that's okay, that's editorializing. Implied. Implied. Not implied at all. Okay. Um he is wearing a shirt that says, I know you are but what am I? <laughs> Which is almost as bad. You can't babysit because he's too cool. <laughs> he's too cool. Okay, but no, but the, like, this is just this is just kind of icing on the cake that I want to bake for you here, which is that the entire town of Stony Brook is way more obsessed with babysitting than you would expect a small town in Long Island to be. And I have a theory about why this is the case. What is it? They are babysitting their own disappearing youth. Explain. <laughs> this isn't a book about babysitting, man. This isn't about babysitting. This is about not being a baby anymore. This is a no, this is about growing up. This is about these girls are growing up. Claudia's starting to wear bras now. I can't. <laughs> 
We're just going to have a little bell that sounds every time you say Claudia is starting to wear a bra now. No, this is serious, man. This is the this is what this is what's so special about this. They're, these you girls think they're are, trying to hold on to their 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 youth that is quickly escaping through their fingers like yeah. like sand. They're not sitting these babies. Sure, practically they're sitting babies. They're sitting babies. They're making money. This literally is a small business. Babies, they're yeah. literally sitting babies. But the real babies that they're sitting are themselves. Okay. That's Sorry. your whole theory. That's it. They're growing up. What if the town just has some weird thing where like. Six years ago, everyone got it on, and now it's just like <laughs> there's just like this weird. There's just a ton of, of like four to like ten year olds in the town. Well, I mean, this is again, this is what I'm talking about—a hole in the market. Yeah, I think that's a good theory. I think it makes a lot of sense. I think you're. I think Anne M. Martin would probably have a lot to say about that. You know, I think she's trying to recapture her own youth in this. Miss Martin, you have a lot to answer for. Can we talk about Anne M. Martin? Let's talk about Anne M. Martin. Sure. You think it's a the, the wizard a behind the curtain? Probably a man. No, it's no. Anna Martin is an American treasure. Okay. Do you want to take a guess as to which babysitter is based on Anna Martin? Is it um, Mary Ann? That's correct, Mary Ann <laughs> Spear. It's a. It's like a wordplay. Ann M, M Ann, Mary Ann. Yeah. Mary Ann is a follower. No. Marianne is the Samwise Ganji of this story. No, that's absolutely incorrect. No. Okay, let me, I'm going to use some knowledge that you don't have. Okay. okay? Um, that's not fair. No. That's th- not fair. Okay, no. But this is it's – cle- it's, it's evident in this book that Marianne is more than that. She's quiet. She's literary. She's thoughtful. She doesn't talk a lot. But there's so much more going on. And you will see very, very soon in I think a novel named Logan Likes Marianne that – that Who the fuck is Logan? Okay, that's interesting, right? <laughs> Who's Logan, right? I'm going to finish this just with a question that I'm not going to answer. Who yeah. do you think, based on what you have learned so far from these books, is the first main babysitter to get a boyfriend? Claudia. Great. Absolutely, okay. Claudia. Excellent. Claudia is the first one to wear it's a bra. The, She's it's, the first, it, it's like... <laughs> <laughs> it's like she just discovered that boys had been invented. <laughs> What did you? What's your stupid quote you keep saying over and over? Claudia's wearing a bra now, <laughs> and the way she talks, it's as if boys have just been invented. Yeah. So it must be Claudia, right? Well, I'm not going to answer that. Okay. I'm, let Let me just say something. Keep an eye on Marianne. Oh. There's more to her than meets the eye. So, Jack, I have a question for you. Yeah. Which babysitter? Uh huh. Do you think I am? You're a Christie man. You think so? Yeah. I thought that too. Yeah. When I finished reading this book, I, I made it through this whole book. So the great reveal of this book is that Stacy mm-hmm. is not anorexic, as we're led to believe through the whole book. Correct. But that she has diabetes. Mm-hmm. Christy is impulsive. She speaks her mind. Mm-hmm. She makes a lot of sort of rash judgments and decisions. Mm-hmm. She has to look a lot of stuff up in the dictionary. <laughs> she has to look a lot of stuff up in the dictionary, just like me. Um, by the end of the book, I was like, oh, man, Stacy has anorexia. Turns out she doesn't. She has diabetes. Right. I made assumptions. Just I was like rash. Christine. I was impulsive. You jumped to conclusions. Yeah, I'm a real Christie, and that makes me feel really bad about myself. Okay. Can I tell you who I think you are? Please. Should we say it together? Yeah. On... After three. Okay. One, One two, two, three. Marianne. Janine, Claudia's know-it-all nerd sister. <laughs> All right. Yeah. 
Well, okay. You've great. got all the telltale signs. You're a fucking pedant. <laughs> You're constantly correcting me on my language. Constantly. I work with you every day, and you were constantly correcting me on my language. You literally own a shirt that has the definition, the correct definition of begs the question. Correct. And you were constantly correcting people when they say begs the question. Right. Does not mean raise the question. It does not mean raise the question. What does it mean? I don't want to talk about it. <laughs> You're, now you're embarrassed because I called you out on your Janine <laughs> Begging the question is when you use the conclusion that you are trying to prove as the premise of the argument that you're making. Can you say that in a non-Janine way? <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> I think Janine is great. I think Janine is. I think Janine is misunderstood. Okay. Yeah. Of course you do. Okay. In defense of Janine, yeah. she's uh, Janine is being described through the eyes of Christie, who's an idiot. <laughs> Right? You, you just got done saying I was a Christie. Oh, interesting. <laughs> and this is this is exactly my point. This is not an omniscient narrator. All the characters are seen through Christie's eyes. So she's obviously going to be intimidated by somebody who's intelligent, who's thoughtful, who has figured things out, who is interested in a life of the mind, right? So Janine comes across in this book yeah. as kind of a pedant and as kind of annoying. Yeah. But that's not who she is. And you can tell. It comes through. that Her interest in whether the babysitter's club should have an apostrophe or not shows that she gets to the heart of what matters right yeah i mean it's an obvious thing it stares you in the face when you're looking at this book is what is this about is this about a club that is owned by babysitters or is it a club that is populated <laughs> by many babysitters right who did, who did you think who did you say you think you were marianne okay first What's to get a boyfriend <laughs> spoiler <laughs> But also, she's she's smart. She's interested in books. Yeah, uh, she's thoughtful. Over and she doesn't. Father. She won't. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, Tanner. Yeah. Would you like to say, "Let's wrap it up," Jack? No, not like that. Let's wrap it up. No, <laughs> not like that. Would you like to say it in your radio voice, <clears throat> Jack? I want to thank you for coming out this week. It's really great to have you here. Um, this has been the Babysitters Club Club episode one discussing book one of the Babysitter's Club, Chrissy's Great Idea. Uh, Next time, are you done groaning? <laughs> Next time, we'll be discussing book two of the Babysitter's Club, Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls. Sounds spooky. Looking forward to it. <laughs> I assume you're from that witch. <laughs> the Babysitter's Club is, as far as I know, either still in print <laughs> or not. <laughs> Or available on Amazon, or if not that, then on eBay. Yeah, we bought all our books off eBay. If you want to follow along. But we wanted to have the cool original covers. I think you can get some cool, uh, you can get some stuff on Amazon if you're not too worried about what the covers look like. Um, thank you very much. It has been a pleasure talking to you this week about the Babysitter's Club. I am Jack Shepard. This has been my co-host. Tanner Greenring. And this has been... The Babysitter's uh, Club Club. Okay. Great. I thought we were going to say it in unison. And that's all. That's all. Please, please, next time read along with us so you can follow along with the plot. Claudia and the Phantom Phone Calls. It is a thrill ride. In 86, N.M. Martin wrote the first book of what became a cult. Now it's time for Babysitter's Club Club.